Cambridge 2030 was formed to bring together public, private, voluntary and community sectors in collaborative action to bridge gaps in provision and resources and address inequalities in Cambridge. At the beginning of the year, we documented our plans and the issues facing Cambridge 2030 in this podcast, which we recorded in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. One issue we discussed was that of digital inequality, which reached a crisis point through the closing of schools and the resulting transition to remote learning. To tackle this head-on, the Digital Drive campaign for Cambridgeshire and Peterborough was launched to provide 8,000 laptops and internet access so that every single child across our county can access their schoolwork at home. To tell us what happened, I'm joined by Julie Spence, OBE, Lord Lieutenant of Cambridgeshire and Ambassador for Cambridge 2030, and Hazel Bellchamber, Assistant Director for Education Capital and Place Planning at Cambridgeshire County Council and Peterborough City Council. This is Cambridge in Pursuit of Equality. I'm Alison Taylor. Julie, take us back to March 2020. What happened in our schools when the pandemic hit? It's amazing to think it's a year ago since, on the 20th of March, schools closed for the foreseeable future. Schools across much of the UK look set to close their doors and shut across down Britain will close by the end of the we week. We come today to the key issue of schools. After schools shut their gates from Friday afternoon... And we did that stage didn't actually have an end date. They will remain closed until further notice. The objective is to slow the spread of the virus, and as I say, we judge that this is the right moment to do that. This does mean that exams will not take place as planned in May and June. These steps will not be easy for parents or for teachers. So we did see teachers scramble to switch over to a digital curriculum. We saw them sending work out via email. We saw them running lessons over Zoom and Teams and other video conferencing platforms. But some teachers didn't have the skills to transfer to a digital platform. Some hoped normality would return very soon, like many of us. And there clearly became a division that was, that was visible. Children with laptops, children without, schools online, schools struggling and the emerging digital divide became even more apparent. One of the most problematic issues was actually not just about keeping up with curriculum, although obviously keeping up with curriculum was high on the agenda. This is Phil Priestley, the founder of CAMS Youth Panel, which is part of Cambridge Digital Partnership. He's spent much of the last year working hard to address the issue of digital inequality by refurbishing and redistributing laptops to children and families who need them. Kids did start to drift, obviously, who didn't have access to technology, so their education suffered, but mental health really suffered significantly. One thing that we realised very quickly was that the least well-off, the most vulnerable kids, were impacted by this form of inequality straight away. Because school frames the day cycle of a child's life, They get up in the morning, they go to school, they eat their lunch when it's dictated, they do that. Without that technology and that ability to stay in that groove, we started seeing young people who were staying up until four o'clock in the morning 
and then sleeping through until two o'clock in the afternoon. And we literally started to see some young people developing nocturnal habits and started to get quite depressed, you know, stopped things like a hygiene routine, stopped getting dressed, wearing the same clothes for several days in a row, and they were spending increasing amounts of time in games console environments instead, just playing computer games or trying to distract themselves in some other way. Some of the young people who were disengaged from their education would go out during periods of time when government prevailing advice was about lockdown. And depending on how strict the lockdown was, they were exposing themselves to greater and greater risks by meeting up with increasing numbers of people because they were just basically at a point where they were like, well, what am I supposed to do? Just sit in my bedroom and do nothing. It was becoming like a form of mental torture. And we saw increasing amounts of pressure then mounting on parents and they didn't have the tools with which to successfully home educate the children and how do they keep them engaged, how do they supervise them like that, a constant building of pressure. Sometimes you'd have a situation where there was like one computer in the household and that would create a situation where you would have three or four children literally arguing and fighting over who got to be on the computer and when. So the whole thing became a deeply toxic situation. So Hazel, what was the problem with the government's planning when the schools had to switch over to remote learning? There was this, I think, an inbuilt assumption that every child had access to the resources at home, uh, be that a, a laptop and or potentially a good internet connection. And that's clearly not the case. There were definitely assumptions made, perhaps from a lack of understanding of people's situations. This is Neil Matthews, the Head of Computer Science and Careers Education at North Cambridge Academy. I would imagine most families with children of school age, unless they have a particular passion for technology, they probably haven't got multiple tablets or laptops lying around because they're very rarely needed. And although the impact is massive in areas of deprivation, I think actually applied to all families, even the cheapest laptop is 300, 350 pounds. To go out and find a couple of laptops at very short notice is a massive challenge for any family. The significant challenge is if you simply haven't got that money to be able to do it, or for one reason or another, you're not able to fund going out making such purchases, what do you do? Your children simply can't access the online lessons and all of the provision that schools are trying to put on board. So kind of bringing it back to the the government situation, maybe not false assumptions, but certainly assumptions that didn't understand what situation every single family was in and how those in less fortunate circumstances would be able to deal with that situation. Because they're very And there are a lot of people struggling in these less fortunate circumstances. One group is the one million plus people in the UK on zero hours contracts. Potentially parents who have been furloughed as well, but certainly from from a, a demographic across the area that our school serves, the accommodation is, is uh, perhaps quite small, costs are, are quite high and going up, and so there is no spare cash to go out and buy technology. 
The Department of Education has recognised this and is running a number of schemes to help local authorities and schools to acquire computers across Cambridgeshire and Peterborough. That resulted in around 4,500 laptops and also 4G routers being distributed to schools. But that, again, has become apparent that that is not sufficient to meet, meet need. And our prime concern is what that means for obviously children and those who are already disadvantaged, suffering a greater educational disadvantage and being left further behind. So that attainment gap becoming wider rather than reducing as, as we would, would hope. Clearly, uh, there, is, there is much more still to be done. So looking back before March 2020, were you aware that so many households didn't have devices or internet access? And, and was this an issue and concern then? I don't think the scale of, of the problem w- was really known to us. Um, we didn't have that baseline data to inform us of the situation. And it was really only when we took the decision to survey all schools across Cambridgeshire and Peterborough that the scale of the divide and the challenge became evident. And that survey indicated that there were around 8,000 um, children and families suffering disadvantage in, in that way across the two authorities. And that, again, is despite you know sterling efforts by by schools and teachers to support uh, including using their own resources to, to fund equipment as well and we know that obviously schools are also supporting where they could individual students and families on a case-by-case basis which included things like you know printing homework for, for children who couldn't obviously access resources online. Julie, after schools closed for the first time in March, the government promised to distribute laptops to every child so that everyone could work from home. What do you think happened and why didn't enough laptops arrive? Well, I think with anything that's nationally driven, the intent was absolutely right. And everybody then expected the government uh, to, to appear on a right charger and be able to distribute laptops to every child. I recognise all the challenges that families will be facing at the moment and we're determined to support parents who are helping their children learn from home. I think we all know how difficult that can be. This is Gavin Williamson, the Secretary of State for Education, speaking on the 19th of April 2020. And to make sure as many children as possible can access online learning, we're ordering laptops to help disadvantaged young people who sit key exams next year. And if disadvantaged secondary school pupils and care leavers who are preparing for exams do not already have internet connections, we'll provide free 4G routers to get them connected while schools are closed. But as already previously been said by Hazel, we didn't actually know the numbers. So if we didn't know the numbers locally, Nationally, they wouldn't have known the numbers either. They sort of put a finger in the air and they assessed what it might be. And then they tried to actually meet that need. But we all know, and and it's been evident throughout the crisis, that the government can only do so much. You actually need to have a strategy at a local level to be able to deliver anything. That's from vaccinations to test and trace, but also in this case in terms of laptops. And we did actually need to know the numbers, and now we know it's 8,000 that didn't have it, and we've been able to start to do something about it. So then tell me, how did Cambridge come together and, and step up with this digital drive? How did it come about? 
Well, I think things were, were emerging and at Cambridge 2030, as you know, we could see that there were real difficulties and we built on the model that actually you'd been part of developing with Cambridge Youth Panel for the Cambridge North Academy students. And really importantly with that, with having donations of laptops and then actually having young people through the youth panel actually refurbishing laptops to give back to young people. The CAMS Youth Panel was originally set up to improve relationships between young people and the police in Cambridgeshire. By early 2020, they had raised a small pot of money and were about to embark on a knife crime campaign. That was until COVID forced everyone to change their plans. With that money in hand, we thought it would be unethical. Knowing as we did and recognising as we did that so many young people needed computers, for us to take that money and kind of bury it like squirrels. This is Phil Priestley again. We basically said, look, if we're going to be a youth panel and our constitution is about looking after young people and promoting the interests of young people, let's take that money. I'm sure everybody who has donated towards it will understand why we're diverting these funds to this new purpose. It's, it's a national emergency. Having decided to help close the digital divide, they quickly purchased and distributed 29 Chromebooks. Soon after that, they started attracting the attention of local business owners, like Raspberry Pi founder Eben Upton. That guy has been amazing. I mean, he just said to us straight away, he reached out to us and said, I just think that what you're doing is fantastic. Uh, we won't make a penny of profit out of what you're doing. As they were introduced to more and more people, the capabilities of the CAMS youth panel increased. We got approached to join the Cambridgeshire Digital Partnership, which was great because we found that we were bidding into resource pools that were also being bid into by other outstanding organisations like Cambridge Online and other people like that that were bidding to look for resources to help other vulnerable groups. And we decided if we got together, we could do this in a fairer and more equitable way and we could empower ourselves together if we joined our forces up. Healthy collaboration was going to be better than competition, right? Working with the councils, we built on that collaborative approach. And, and actually, it's not just one partner, it's actually business coming together with the private sector, the voluntary sector, and the councils to make sure that we can deliver. And we need to make this virtuous because it's, this, for me, is not just about the pandemic. This is about beyond the pandemic when, as I said, digital is going to become such an important part of young people's lives and also young people's future careers. And if they are not digitally enabled, they will not be able to thrive in the vibrant society we have in Cambridgeshire and the wider UK. But I suppose just to continue with the actual logistics of it, in terms of setting up library network points, having community volunteers. So actually, people have been able to contribute in many, many different ways. And the volunteer aspect, I think, is important because if you have the skills to actually support young people in developing their digital skill set, that's really important. But actually, it's been as much as people who have vehicles who can, who can collect the laptops and then they can actually distribute them to, to young people when they've been, when they've been uh, refurbished. And we've had, from the business side, um, we've had public sector and private sector. So we've had the NHS Foundation Trust who are in the process of changing over their laptops, donating, and they'll be donating into the middle of the year, probably about 1,500 laptops. And then we've had a large corporate donation from Peterborough Businesses, as well as, I said, the support uh, and large monetary support from the councils as well. So it's been a really 
good Cambridgeshire team effort. One such business is Velocity Commerce, co-founded by Eddie Latham. If you really want to make a difference, you should buy stuff that makes other people happy. At Christmas, for example, I always try to buy presents for people I don't know, because the people I do know generally are all right. I think you know, the same with this digital drive, is there's people out there that really, really need stuff. So I think if it's a trade-off between something you think you need, I then think there's someone out there that needs something far more than... You know, you need a new jacket and stuff. So I think it can make a huge difference to kids' lives. We are donating all of our used laptops. And also we use an outsourced IT company in Cambridge called Cam IT Support. It's actually a school friend of mine, interestingly, who also went to Chesterton. I said to him when I found out about the digital drive that, you know, this isn't right. And he said, yeah, you know, completely. And we clubbed together with him to purchase some new laptops as well to give them because we were just like, instead of us waiting to do this, there's a problem now, let's just do whatever we can. Hazel, tell me, what have we achieved together so far with the digital drive and and what do we still need to do? So to date, we've had a a number of significant donations, including £300,000 from from Peterborough City Council specifically to support children in in Peterborough, individual Peterborough councillors contributing their community leadership funding to the tune of £18,000, £100,000 from Yours Clothing, another Peterborough company. And then we've currently got at the moment £11,925 donated through our GoFundMe online portal. So that significant uh, funding and that has, has enabled us so far to either purchase or place on order 1,519 laptops and Chromebooks and 594 4G routers. And we've so far been able to provide every school that identified a need with some equipment and that's 176 schools in total. To reiterate, this amounts to over 1,500 children able to continue their education who otherwise would have been left to fall further and further behind. And in addition to that, Julie mentioned the library collection points. As of yesterday, we'd had 150 laptops donated through that initiative. So huge thank you to everybody who's gone along to their local library and donated, along with those who obviously donated cash through the GoFundMe schemes. We've also had a number of larger donations. So most recently, 50 desktops through a local parish councillor link and I think that just demonstrates everybody's trying to do their their bit and make a difference and I have to say I think we've been overwhelmed by people's generosity. Thank you Hazel and in fact I think I'm right in saying we've had maybe nearly 400 laptops donated in different ways now through the CAMS youth panel and Phil Priestley with his amazing work with his volunteers there so people have been very generous Um, And things have been definitely going in the right direction with the support of everyone at the council. Thank you so much. And all of the players at Cambridge 2030, the schools and the youth panel and the Cambridge Digital Partnership, who've all played a massive part in this. Thank you. Julie, the digital divide is just one of the many things that Cambridge 2030 is looking to address. What's next on the agenda? Not that we've finished with this one, but what else will we be doing? So this is not just for the pandemic. It must go on for much longer. I think there are two other issues that we really want to focus on. 
Firstly, we've now had a food bank in Cambridge for 10 years. So hunger and all the, the meals that are being delivered to different people is not just a COVID issue. And we are looking to do some research with Anglia Ruskin University to really understand the problem, why people are hungry. Is it that we have lots of low paid jobs and people don't have enough money at the end of the month? Is it about high costs of the city and the county that we're living in? Is this a lack of budgeting advice and cookery skills by schools and colleges? What is it? Because at the end of the day, we need to truly understand it and find some sustainable solutions. So that's going to be one of the next items on the agenda. And then the other one, which is very much linked to our young people, is about work experience. Many young people, particularly those in the disadvantaged groups, and that's about three and a half thousand, are not getting the work experience that really incentivizes and motivates them to really want to take a place in the workplace and they need to have some interesting locations to go to and I think we'll end up with a wholly different outlook from a generation of young people. So anybody who can assist us with identifying work experience would be amazing. I get quite irritated with commentators who say because of Covid we have a lost or a less capable generation which young people often repeat thinking that they must be less worthy than somebody's had a whole year in school because they've actually had a whole year doing different things learning online but in fact for me life is about experiences it's not just about exams and I'm sure for many young people this will have actually made them more resilient rather than less resilient and it will make them more flexible more employable so we do need to show those young people the possibilities that we have in this city and this county so they can really use that expertise and skill that they will have developed throughout COVID and can continue to build on over the coming years. Thank you so much to Julie Spence, Hazel Bellchamber, Phil Priestley, Neil Matthews and Eddie Latham for sharing your thoughts and insights with us. As of today, I believe the Digital Drive has now put new and donated laptops into the hands of around 2,000 children across the county. So we still have a long way to go before we've closed the gap, but it's a really great start. And I know those young people are grateful for everyone's support. Cambridge 2030 will continue its commitment to the digital drive and we hope that in time we can affect a culture change so that each and every one of us and in particular the large corporations in Cambridge automatically opt to recycle technology so that it can be put to good use by individuals and families who otherwise have nothing. Thank you for listening to this episode of our docuseries Cambridge in Pursuit of Equality. Please keep on donating your used technology to the digital drive. You can drop laptops off at all libraries or deliver them direct to the CAMS youth panel. Now that we've shown how well this collaborative model for social change can work, Cambridge 2030 will be launching a new Careers Drive campaign in partnership with Form the Future in the coming weeks. And as Julie Spence mentioned earlier, we'll be asking all employers across the county to please get involved and help youngsters who have missed out on work experience in the past year to get at least one week's worth of valuable workplace experience before the end of the summer. Please visit the Cambridge 2030 website 
Find us on social media or email me at info at for more information.